HD Smartcast. You are listening to a Radio One production brought to you by HD Smartcast. This is Minding My Business, the CEO story with Ramesh Menon and Rishi K. Hello, hello. Axis Bank takes over Citibank's consumer business, and Raj Subramaniam is set to take over from Fred Smith as CEO of FedEx. Yeah, Rishi, uh, it's amazing how many Indians are now CEOs of global giants, and some Indian companies are also taking over some multinationals. Maybe this time it's a part of their business, but yeah, that's 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 happening. True that, uh, Ravish. Welcome to Minding My Business, the CEO story. And what's also true is that our guest of the day is very well traveled. He led the Indonesia business for Mondelez. international as president and managing director prior to which he led the chocolates business for mondelez in india yeah absolutely he's an fmcg sector veteran with nearly 25 years of rich experience across diverse markets in asia and africa he was vice president of food south asia at unilever and he's held several senior roles in sales and marketing at unilever please welcome prashant perez managing director india and south asia at kellogg's Hi Prashant, great to meet you. Hi. Hope all well. All's well and thank you so much for having me on the show. Great. I I hope you liked your introduction. <laughs> Carefully crafted introduction. <laughs> Prashant, so let's start with Kellogg's vision, purpose and EVP. Sure. So I think Kellogg's as an organization has, you know, as we were just chatting has been around for more than 100 years and its uh, roots come in the space of nutrition. We in Kellogg's have a very simple vision i would say and that vision is really to have a good and just world where people are not just fed but they're fulfilled yeah and our purpose is creating better days and a place at the table for everyone through our trusted food yeah so that's as you can see nourishing food and doing good for people is at the heart of what we stand for in kellogg's and when you talk about evp i think it's something that was crafted by the team just last year and they've done a fantastic job on it you know i've experienced it as i've come into the organization uh, in keeping with our space of being all about food our evp is called nourish your great right and what that means for an employee coming in is we say listen uh, we want you to come in and be the real you so there's no pretense there's no there's a lot of humility there's a lot of simplicity in this organization The second thing that we talk about is make your mark and this is something that personally uh, resonates with me a lot. I think all of us uh, especially when we work in big organizations, lead big brands, uh, what we're doing is we're custodians of them for some point in time and what you have to be humble about is they are where they are because of a lot of great work that has happened before. But when you come in can you leave a legacy? Can you leave a mark? Can you take it to a better place? And the last part we talk about is doing a world of good. and uh, i can speak a lot more about this but this is quite core to what uh, kellogg's really believes in whether it's about people the planet and i'll speak more about this maybe as we go along in the conversation i think kellogg's has got a great india story as well right and uh, i'm sure uh, we would like to definitely listen to it and i'm sure our viewers would like to listen to it as well you built a 1500 crore company breakfast cereal category right from scratch and today you're proudly the number one breakfast cereal brand in the country how did the company do it and give us the highlights of the journey we just saw the 100 year journey of kellogg's in the world our 100 plus years can we see the here the india story from you sure, i think uh, you know 
uh, it, it's one of the things i love doing for any brand that i uh, definitely get associated with or any company is to go back in history and just go through the journey and i've had the pleasure of uh, going through that journey meeting the first employee of kellogg's uh, in our factory in taloja so the journey is is over 20 years old it's uh, it's close to 24 years now when uh, we set up our first factory in taloja very close to mumbai uh, and we decided to bring breakfast cereals uh, to india uh and if you look at the indian uh, breakfast landscape if i would call it of course india has a rich food culture so there are a huge plethora of dishes that are made very deeply ingrained habits as it always happens with food categories uh, but there was also a need and that need is no different from the need that uh, kellogg's fulfills all around the world which is one of fundamentally great nourishing breakfast yeah and the second one is putting it together in a way that's convenient and tasty for the consumer now it it sounds you know when you say nourishing convenient tasty it sounds so simple but actually you know you've got to go a little deeper into the country into in terms of the habits etc and say what's uh, what's nourishment for india and one of the things for example that kellogg's did well in advance of uh, you know where we are today is to identify micronutrient gaps for example right so the products in india were crafted to have iron shakti right way back and we fortified our products with iron uh, it's also not a heavy breakfast you know it's i won't call it light it's satiating but it gives you that energy and that slow release energy that keeps you going right up to lunch so in that sense it's been built for that kind of nourishment we still had to get tasted because in the end you can put all the nourishment you want but if uh, your kids aren't going to have it happily uh before they take the school bus it's no use and uh, uh that's where products like chocos and all are so fantastic because they actually do that right the kids love to have it they're healthy along with that you know there's a entire bowl of conflicts uh, chocos and milk that gets uh, eaten by the kids right so uh, that combination is really works for moms as well and we you know we've done a lot of things over time to make that nutrition fun for the kids as well so rather than just a mundane breakfast you can see we've played with shapes we've played with their famous favorite characters and constantly provided the kids also the excitement and that was the beginnings of the journey i would say uh, which continued uh, it grew into you know two factories as volumes grew it also grew into more platforms so on the on the basis and the core of the two fundamental pillars of conflicts and chocos i think we brought in uh, the next platform which is muesli and granola right a uh, muesli sometime back in granola most more recently and this is you know in, in some ways i would shortcut it to saying it's like superfoods put together for you right so fruits nuts seeds grains all you know the best of it but put together in a way which is again interesting multisensorial tasty and uh, you know can give you a great start to the day especially if you are somebody who's a little more into this higher order nutrition and granola does the same but just makes it a little tastier also we didn't stop innovating for the kids so you know we got new platforms coming in for the kids as well we've introduced choco fill so it's a little more multi sensory as kids grow up they love that kind of a thing and uh, fruit loops you know so not everything needs to be chocolate to be tasty and fruit loops is a lovely way again to get all the cereal goodness but with a different kind of a flavor profile so innovating with platforms understanding real consumer needs and then giving it to them in a really fun exciting manner uh, that's been the journey 
And along the way, as I said, because the fundamentals of our organization is a really caring uh, for people, both internal and external. I think we've built a great organization and culture to go with it. And we always believe people are really the reason why Kellogg's has done whatever it has done till now. Prashant, uh, you've actually partly answered my next question, but it also segues into what I really want to ask you. Your product portfolio, you've talked about certain elements in your product portfolio. How does Kellogg's improve its portfolio and the idea of offering healthier choices based on evolving consumer needs you know that's easier said than done so how do you manage to look at and build products you said nutrition convenience you know there's also an affordability factor but you know taking into account the changing consumer needs what they might need sometime from now what they need now which has changed from the past no, that's a very good question and that's what uh, keeps us on our toes, right? Because that's that's when we start looking into the future and saying, yeah, what what's next and what do we do? I think, you know, it may sound very, very basic, but if you want to do that, one, you've got to stay very close to consumers. Now, while that's a, you know, a, a motherhood of a statement, I think it's how we do it that makes the difference. So we stay close to consumers, first of all, by a, a lot of direct consumer contact. And, and there are many times, even through pandemic, we did it by, you know, staying close to them online. And and we really get into their homes and under their skin. So, the, you know, the kind of questions that I would ask a consumer or my teams would ask a consumer is, listen, tell me what's happening in the morning, what's happening in your life. Uh, we're not just trying to, you know, extract product information from them but we're really getting in say what are the sounds we hear in the morning you know and you know strangely what you'll hear a lot about is how hurried mornings are especially if you talk to the mom you know she literally like has to be a goddess with 10 hands and she talks about it like that way saying that you know if i miss uh, even one step my kids going to miss the school bus i've optimized everything to a t and there you want to come in and say wow we want to help you you know we want to help you in this process so that's one part of what we do really get close to consumers, know what their pain points are. Second thing is, uh, we're taking the same uh, thing that we do direct and one-on-one to get that qualitative flavor uh, into very deep analytics that you can get through search, right? So the same things is, you know, understanding search trends, understanding what's really happening through our partners, you know, we have partners in e-commerce, we have partners in modern trade, uh, but doing good deep analytics of what's out there in terms of consumer search preferences, uh, consumer, not just for breakfast, sometimes you can just search what are the diet trends that are doing well these days. And there again, you can always, if you're doing it well, you find the way to stay ahead. The third part, which is not directly linked to consumers, but this is really linked to our internal expertise, is, you know, I would say that Kellogg's is the original plant nutrition company yeah, of the globe. You know, it's it's become fashionable now more than 100 years later. But Kellogg's believed in this way back, right? And the kind of expertise we have internally in the space is, is tremendous. So, you know, we're constantly researching what do different grains do for you? What are the new food, superfoods coming up, right? And how can we provide them? Because if we can find a superfood, which is also affordable, that's that's a real win-win, right, for the consumer. So when we put all these three things together, we know what the consumer wants. We're a little bit, you know, extracting the expertise that we have. That's when you can put great products on the table and then uh, uh, create communication that's magical to get consumers to pick them up. Great. Uh, you know, Kellogg's is the original plant nutrition company in the world. There's one more thing that 
is aligned to that which is really the carbon footprint and 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 that's a big one these days in fact uh, one of our most popular shows in recent times on network has been a climate warrior program which rishi k used to host with bumi petnekar and it's something that always comes up in 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 discussions how is kellogg's committed to creating better days for the planet uh, by reducing carbon footprint so you know like i said we have a very strong uh, philosophy in terms of what we want to do as an organization yeah we start by saying of course we want to nourish people with our food but then we go beyond that and the two very big pillars that we have one is nurturing our planet and the other is feeding our people and and the carbon footprint uh, fits smack in with nurturing our planet right so we have a very all encompassing uh, vision in terms of how we want to work towards nurturing our planet the the first and most fundamental is related to reducing our carbon footprint right so we start with energy consumption and we have committed to going 100% renewable energy by 2050 now 2050 sounds like a long way off but as you can imagine we really don't know how we're going to get there all we we're very certain about is we want to get there and in india we've actually accelerated that and said by 2025 we want to hit the 50% mark right uh not easy we don't have all the answers we know the, you know we know part of the answer is in solar and reducing your energy requirement in the first place i mean the combination of those things has got to help you but that's how committed we are that we we publicly and in, internally saying we want to get to 50% by 2025 we don't know how let's figure it out but let's do it yeah the second part about you know your carbon footprint is also water consumption now we are not a heavy consumer of water i mean uh, compared to many other industries or many other food industries as well but what we have done is we've reduced our water consumption by being very very careful about how we uh, consume water a lot of awareness building and a lot of changes to process to reduce that so we've reduced it by 24% but 100% of the water that we do use is recycled so you know our effluent treatment plants are best in class and we make sure that whatever we were using is in the end comes out and can get recycled and used in our gardens or wherever it is it's uh, we don't waste anything right so that's water and the third one of course is uh, our packaging yeah and we have committed again to use 100% reusable recyclable or compostable packaging by the end of 25 now this is a journey we are well on course to we we have a lot of the answers they still have the last things to be put together to say we hey we've got there we're 100% a lot of you know projects underway in the packaging space a lot of trials being done in plants but very very promising work and therefore we are you know we're confident that we can get there by the end of 2025 now that's not where the journey ends of course because step 1 is make your packaging recyclable the second part is be part of an ecosystem and that helps recycling right we are actually fortunate in india that that ecosystem already does exist to some extent and we are definitely looking to partner more and more with people out there to take this recycling percentage up you know to as high as we can take it uh so that's broadly you know the the three key pillars there is a fourth pillar which is very unique to us because again as i said we are a a plant nutrition company uh and that fourth pillar is where we work with farmers you know the the ultimate thing is when you know an organization or a corporation can work with farmers even smallholder farmers and reach what i call a win win that win win happens when you teach the farmer more sustainable farming practices their incomes go up we get 
you know a higher quality of product of yield which then makes our products better and therefore that's the win win and uh, we're working with about uh, more like 22000 farmers in madhya pradesh where we've started work on um, sustainable agricultural practices they've seen good increases in their yields in their incomes and that's a journey that again we want to just keep uh, continuing uh, touching more farmers lives and and continuing to find better practices that we can share with them yeah nice so nice this is how we'd say you know we're we're doing our bit to nurture the planet prashant uh, diversity and inclusion in the workplace is i'm sure something that's way up your priority list at at kellogg how are you building a future fit workplace strongly focused on employees overall well-being that's something that again i'd say is important to us at kellogg's but first let me take one step back you know as i spoke to you about employee value proposition it started with be the real you and i think you know diversity and inclusion both come from the fact that you know you are really welcoming everybody to the table yeah everybody has a seat at the table everybody's voice matters and really you take away any kind of biases that prevent people from being able to give their best and be at their best when in the organization so i would say diversity and inclusion is is a core part of who we are anyway as kellogg's and i would say it's one of the most welcoming organizations i even went on record to say listen i felt at home within 3 or 4 days or less and that's uh, you know that's a tribute to the kind of culture that's been built in kellogg's when i when i look specifically at at diversity and inclusion we've of course looked at gender diversity as the space we want to focus on and we've made very very good strides in that direction right we've got you know about 30% of our leadership team 40% of one of the plant leadership teams uh, which is uh, not what you'd expect actually have women so we we know what to do if i go into the details i can tell you we have some of the most what i'd call best in class practices in the industry to support our women in employees and colleagues when they need it most you know i can tell you even to the point that if you've just had a kid right and you need to travel the company will even cover for you to allow you to take maybe a helper along because you've got to travel and and somebody still has to be there to take care of the kid and these are small things i'm mentioning but if i go through the whole host of supports that we provide it's quite lovely to see the way we've stretched ourselves as an organization to make sure that when women need support the most we're there for them and this is not just you know it's not just in terms of policies i think it's also there as a culture and i was very happy to see at you know i'd gone into modern trade some time back and one of our uh, sales leaders spoke about how she uh, came up with this idea that even our promoter girls who are not really part of kellogg's as such right they're not our employees they're third party employees but they they work closely with us and we consider them part of our extended family and we've even put in you know a few things for them if they get married you know they get a month's leave things like that supporting people wherever we see the opportunity uh, that's how we look at it and uh, no surprise you know where the great place to work survey said uh, kellogg's india is one of the best places to work for women in the industry uh, so i can tell you it's it's a journey we're on uh, we we want to keep getting there and in the end i guess the end goal of the vision would be 
uh, agenda a neutral organization in the sense that it's probably 50-50 yeah all across the board across different functions uh, so we're some way away from that but that's the kind of vision that we have but 40% of your plant leadership uh, as women fabulous that's 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 something that i haven't heard of before uh, you know that takes us to manufacturing i believe you have two manufacturing plants in india uh, give us a lowdown on these plants and uh, also do these plants cater only to the indian market or do they also look at uh, exports so uh the first plant we have and you know that's that's the mother plant that's where you know everything started right that's close to mumbai it's at taloja and it's been there for around 24 years now and i'm very happy to say that the uh the current factory manager is somebody who actually has grown within the organization over 24 years he's he's had a fantastic run starting as a technician and working his way to being the factory lead today uh right and uh under his leadership Taloja continues to be our bigger factory manufacturing the entire range of products we do export so uh, we're really part of a business unit that's referred to as South Asia so uh, a lot of our exports go to Bangladesh Nepal and Sri Lanka uh, however we we have exported to the Middle East as well as into Southeast Asia depending on the needs of the organization right so there are some things that we produce a little uniquely and goes there or sometimes if they run out of capacity we're there to support them uh, so that's our first plant and then comes the second plant that we opened at Sri City which is uh, uh, a couple of us from Chennai in Andhra and that's a plant where we again uh, it, it was opened around it was started around 2014 2014 15 is when we actually started production in that plant a fantastic journey of scaling up from there uh, a plant built very indigenously i would say so uh, we went with uh, a lot of local partners naturally when we built our first plant a lot of the partnerships would have been from outside because we were manufacturing uh, cereals for the first time in india but this time with our experience we went with a lot of local partners and equally i think when we went to the that plant a very interesting story one of the things we wanted to do was to have uh, women in the night shift and we actually made an appeal uh, to the state government at that time to improve uh, the facilities for women including safety and security and i think we were the first uh, plant in the sri city uh, space to actually have women in night shift and you know we wanted to make that change to say you know why why should women only come in the the two day shifts why can't you know we have a safe enough country and a safe enough region uh, where we can actually encourage women to come for the night shift as well and uh, a lot of the technicians that we have in this plant have been selected from the surrounding areas you know so it's it's a great sense of pride to people from that area to see the first a girl maybe from their family was actually working in a formal organization and the kind of change that that brings to those communities is is amazing you know i personally also find it pretty interesting that you have an r&d facility right here in india to cater to the south asian market so let's talk a little bit about that please you know the 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 r&d facility which is again uh, co-located with our taloja factory so that's the best thing you can ask for because you've got manufacturing and uh, r&d you know joined at the hip uh, that's been around again for uh, close to 9 years now uh, where we set up this facility and you know when you start off you say listen uh, we've got fantastic pilot plants and r&d facilities in manchester and in the us and of course they have the capability to do you know amazing work with cereals but in the end when it comes to catering to local taste local nuances as well as uh taking care of 
you know affordability which is which is naturally very important for us here in india uh, there's nothing like having an r&d facility of your own and building your supplier base around you right because that's that's when the entire ecosystem benefits and that's what we managed to do therefore the the r&d for all products and the development of all products that we have in india actually starts from that r&d facility modifying them getting the taste right the interesting thing is over the years that facility has grown uh, in terms of capability not in terms of size but in terms of capability and the people that we've hired that it's also become what we call the center of excellence for the larger amia region which is asia pacific middle east and africa so you can imagine that innovation now for every country from turkey to japan to anc could be happening right here uh, out of india and that's again something you know fantastic to see uh, because it's such tremendous development for our people and such a source of pride for all of us here fabulous uh, you're an fmcg sector veteran first unilever mondelez uh, and now kellogg's uh, what is about food snacks beverages and maybe even personal care that really gets you going so so first of all i must say that i you know if i look back on my career i'm much more of a foods guy than uh, you know than the overall fmcg yeah i've i've done my stints in personal care yes but foods is what's a passion for me i i think what what gets me going is one you know how close you get to the lives of consumers and how the brands that we you know we market and we we manufacture actually touch their lives yeah i mean it actually makes a difference to their lives in some little way or the other we know that you know our transactions are small in size but they're so vast in number and therefore you know across the length and breadth of a country like india you'll find people have a view of the kind of brands that i've had the privilege to work on and uh, uh, that for me is an immense source of excitement uh, but also a source of uh, it's humbling in its own way you know and i think it's that combination which uh, keeps you uh, keeps you excited keeps you wanting to do more uh, and wanting to make a difference as well and i'll also add one more thing i think you know as uh, when you look at foods uh, foods is something that you know i always start by saying and telling my teams we're all consumers in the end uh, and if we can take off our corporate hats and we can take off our uh, internal thing uh, we should first always evaluate our products our brands like consumers do you know taste them eat them enjoy them uh, share them with your family uh, and equally take the take the good and bad feedback that comes when you do that so uh, that's that's absolutely fantastic when when it happens Okay from categories let's move to countries and regions you worked in the south asia region you worked in anz turkey africa middle east southeast asia china prashant what is different among these regions in terms of the attitude and behavior towards fmcg and let me add a corollary to that at the other end of the spectrum if there's something in common what would that be so the differences and the commonalities sure that's a that's a good question yeah so let let me reflect on it a little bit I, again let me come at it from a foods lens first of all to to talk about maybe a little bit of the differences that i've observed yeah as i've looked across the country so you know when 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 you work across various countries you you realize that uh, there are some countries which have a fantastic food culture right the the food the cuisine is very rich lovely variety of dishes uh, and you know you become a fan and i'll i'll call out a few countries which really tick the box on that for me thailand is one you know i love thai food you look at turkey again a fantastic cuisine and so on so you you have countries like like that 
which have great food culture then you have countries which let's say maybe like anz etc which don't really have a very strong intrinsic food culture a lot of it is borrowed the some greek etc but what's amazing about those countries is how open they are to food influences from outside right so uh, they're very experimentative and you know you go there and you find food from all over the world and people are quite willing uh, the one thing i can tell you is india is very unique because i think india is a country with a very deep very rich food culture and it's also experimentative so if you look at thai thailand turkey italy i would struggle to find good chinese restaurants in istanbul for example right if i look at thailand of course you have food from all over the world but that's catering to tourists if you actually go to the food courts in thailand it's always you know thai food thai food but you look at india it's so different i mean you look at a food court in india and i'm not going you know to premium top end restaurants i'm taking a food court because it's a great uh, great example of what you know middle class india wants to eat right and you'll see everything from food across our country to food from across countries right and uh, as i sometimes joke it's, it's sometimes easier to find a chinese restaurant in india than to find you know maybe a south indian restaurant in india uh, depending on where you are so uh, that's what's uh, fascinating about food but at the same time that's what's so unique about india when i look at commonalities now of course as you go uh, across so many you know different countries especially when you're working you know in a region as vast as amia you say can there be anything that's really common you have very developed markets very underdeveloped modern trade traditional trade all sorts of things but i think the commonalities you always find in terms of consumer attitudes yeah and especially if i say you know you you talk to mums from morocco to china how concerned they are about their kids you know that their kids succeed sometimes uniquely you know that their kids grow up to be good people but you know how common that is and how how common the pain points are so i remember being in in, in china when uh, somebody told me the movie hindi medium was very very popular in china because they sort of identified with doing anything and everything to get your kid into a good school right so that's the that's the kind of commonalities that i've also seen Uh, across countries brilliant the other thing was uh, you know how uh, whatever the international cuisine we indianize it right so <laughs> absolutely yeah, that's all, yeah, that's another day, very all. unique thing so let, let's come to digital the new buzzword is really about you know quick commerce uh, omni channel d2c and all of us uh, from traditional fmcg backgrounds are now wondering suddenly what happened you know we were doing modern trade and 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 gt and so on and now there are so many other channels that are there so what's your take on it and and what are you guys doing about it the first uh, point that i'd make about uh, you know the evolution of digital is i think you've got to embrace it yeah i mean firstly and fundamentally if you can say people with a little more experience than others tend to actually you know shy away from it push it away and i think that's the wrong thing to do i think we've got to you know stare at it in the face and say listen this is happening this is coming our way and the faster we embrace it the better we embrace it uh, the better we're going to fare the second thing which some of my previous organizations did and and definitely kellogg has done very well is to invest ahead of the curve usually when something is small when something is just emerging you know it doesn't get that additional attention and focus Uh, of what, where it's going to be five years from now, ten years from now, and I think somewhere, if you as an organization can just do that future forward thinking and look back and say, where do I think the world is going to be ten years from now, and how do I invest today for that to happen? Because I want to make that happen for myself, not get left behind. I think then you reach a situation where you realize you have to invest in it. 
you're it's not a choice and that's something that we've done very well when you put investment behind good people and you make it happen that then takes you to the next level of saying we want to be best in class in what we do we may be it may be 1% today but where we play we want to be ahead of the curve on shares we want to be partnering with the uh, the quick commerce or the e-commerce partners and doing the best work that there is and then you constantly raise the bar and then you get into that virtuous cycle of saying i'm going to be doing new and unique things uh with you i want to bring something uh, to your consumers uh, which i can provide uniquely as a brand what i can tell you is as i compare across the organizations i've worked with uh, this this data is not easily available but our contribution from e-commerce or digital commerce as we call it is probably one of the highest uh, that i've seen right and that's all uh, a tribute to the fact that we've invested ahead of the curve okay share with us the best professional advice ever given to you prashant and why that professional advice struck a chord and continues to strike a chord even today i think the it wasn't a personal advice but it was something one of my uh, leaders used to say a long time back and that was he used to use this quote that positivity is a force multiplier right and uh, it's a simple thing but you know it, it came at a time i was in the ice cream business in uh, hl when it was not doing well and you know we had to turn it around in a very short time uh, and the most important thing when you're going through tough times is can you be positive and i think if you you internalize that thought right uh, you see every crisis as an opportunity you see every failure as a chance to learn and of course you see success as something to build on right so you almost can't go wrong and i think that simple thing that uh, if you can be positive about things it will radiate and you know it takes the team and the organization along with you so so yes that's that's uh, something that came to me very early in my career and i'm glad it did because it stayed with me since then can't agree more and uh, you have a pleasant personality so you know obviously it comes through on the face itself so so when you recruit what's what's a must have for a new hire i mean you can't judge positivity i mean you might be able to judge but uh, what what else do you think is required when you hire the funny thing and you know if you say you want people to come in to be the real you right i should not have a specific profile in mind and i don't therefore right so that's the first thing uh, i think we recruit for roles yeah and we recruit for people to come into teams and uh, you know you may recruit two people to come into the same team and recruit very different styles personalities skill sets why do i say that you know I- i'm a big believer that the people you bring in need to complement the skill set of maybe you as a line manager or of your team so if you've got a team of uh, people who are a lot you know uh, left brain analytics really get it you may want to bring in one or two people who are very creative uh, maybe not even very good with numbers but really out there creative uh, a different kind of personalities and that's why you in my mind you actually shouldn't have a profile right what you should have is know that irrespective of the different kind of profiles that they come with their values are those that fit in with the organization right so we definitely look for a organization fit from a point of view of the values that the people hold dear to them and that's about it after that it's specific to the role specific to the experiences and skill sets and specific to the team that they're coming in okay now there's a famous saying prashant food is never global food is always local so how did kellogg look at local recognizable taste profiles and rethink several of its offerings which are there already in in other parts of the world you know i i want to first 
latch on to that phrase and i want to you know give it a little bit of a spin if i may right i don't completely agree with food is never global right so 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 let me let me put it in a, into a bit of a spectrum for you i think when you come close to the center of plate food becomes very very local and when you move towards snacking right food becomes quite global so if i take categories that i have worked on you know whether it's a chocolate whether it's an ice cream and whether it's you know some of the cereals that we make their taste profile can be quite consistent across the world yeah so you know uh, there will be marginal differences based on the ingredients that they are using which are often localized but uh, a magnum will taste like a magnum anywhere in the world a cadbury dairy milk will taste like a cadbury dairy milk across the world and some of our products uh, from the kellogg's table will also within a range taste fairly similar across the world so that's one part the localization part comes you know one in terms of getting the price uh, the affordability and the way you bring it to consumers uh, localized so that's one part at the same the, the center of the plate and i've worked with categories like soups for example and i can tell you you know kana soups in germany taste different from turkey from south africa to india to this thing because they are much closer to center plate and those taste profile better be those that the, the consumers love so you know a tomato soup in uh, germany will be reasonably bland and you know it's got quite a spice kick in india naturally right so, so that's the spectrum first of all just to put it in perspective i think the way we have localized for india first of all is a lot more in the space of nutrition i think we've looked at the micronutrient deficiencies for example and we've made sure that we're getting the grains we're getting the the profile that we want to for example if protein and iron are really big needs in the country we over index in terms of trying to get that into our food products and we keep an eye on it right that's where we've we've localized you know we've also launched at various points in time uh, products which uh, are amenable to indian spices whether it's in oats or uh, you know we recently doing a test market with upma and then actually you're coming far closer to center plate you make sure you get the taste bang on and uh, uh, you know i, I will ever that uh, our upma probably taste as good as what we refer to not the upma you make but probably the upma your mom used to make you know that's been our benchmark and, and that's how we've gone about it. so it depends on the kind of product uh, where you're sitting but that's how we've uh, you know really localized and got things just right for our country don't challenge us on the upma because there are two south indians here who know their upma <laughs> i'm going to get some packs over to you and you tell me what you think <laughs> so, so uh, you know apparently there's some research that shows that uh, more than two thirds of the population of india tends to skip breakfast i didn't know that actually did you reflect on this piece of uh, market research and act upon it and, and and what did you do absolutely you know we we refer to this uh, entire spectrum of people as skipping and skimping right so skimping is where you know you have a couple of biscuits you drink a glass of milk and you say hey i'm off right and the others are skipping totally i mean literally having nothing or you know so just an early morning cup of tea uh, happens a lot with adults uh, happens with kids as well right and it's it's at the center and at the core of why we believe we so important to consumers in india Uh, because one it's really not the right thing to do you do not perform well and this is enough of clinical studies and research if if you don't have the right kind of energy and energy release you know starting from your morning right up to lunch you're not going to perform op- optimally and it's very interesting you know we do consumer work with moms some of the moms turn out to be teachers right and uh, if you talk to teachers they you know they've actually played back to us saying why they make sure their kids have breakfast because she says you know i can look into my class and i can guess 
you know who's had a very heavy breakfast and that you know that kid is probably just too lethargic and who skipped breakfast and therefore you can feel them almost being a little weak and not performing not answering not because they're not smart but because they probably haven't you know haven't had the right start to the day and i i found that conversation with that specific consumer fascinating uh, in terms of the insight she had onto the different kids in her class right so that's why we believe that the convenience is also a very very important angle now you know sometimes convenient foods or packaged foods therefore are seen as shortcuts and mums feel guilty about it but it's so much better to have a very nutritious convenient breakfast rather than the kids skim it's also important that probably as a mum you are able to spend that time with your kid getting them ready for the morning rather than you know be stuck preparing a very elaborate indian breakfast in the kitchen and i think for both those angles uh, we provide a very very good solution and and that's what we're focused on communicating to our to our mums superb listen there's a lot of chatter about hybrid working models being the norm now that the pandemic is more or less ended in india do you feel prashant this will impede the innovation manufacturing or supply chain functions among consumer brands first of all i think uh, you know we we have to be a little realistic that while uh, a lot of us worked from home yeah and uh, for me personally i i spent a lot of time managing the mondelez indonesia business from india i simply got stuck here <laughs> not able to travel but yes one did but that wasn't how manufacturing worked and in some cases it was not how frontline sales worked as well right so so for manufacturing it meant actually keeping the factories going and that was a very critical part of what the team in india did uh, because that that's the only way you can you know meet the your commitment to customers and consumers now so when we say hybrid i think a lot of us have in mind the head office kind of environment because that's when work from home really happened and then as we open up that's the space which is going into hybrid right as far as frontline sales or manufacturing are concerned it's not going to be hybrid in any form in the end you've got to get uh, people into the factories you can be very flexible about how you allow them to work but in the end it is it needs physical presence right this definitely in supply chain in frontline sales it's a bit of a mixed bag yes you know you can again offer flexibility but now that things have opened up actually being close to customers seeing what's going on in stores is something that one would definitely expect and therefore i don't see too much of change happening in that workspace i think what will definitely change is the corporate head office workspace right over there we've all performed amazingly well in a work from home environment and then you ask yourself the question what is the most optimum most effective way to work going forward right and uh, we've come back to work we've often opened the offices we we're not back 100% because we've we've set up a system which is hybrid in some way allowing all functions to uh, interact with other functions we've got a bit of a roster system going and it's working very well so far so it's been a smooth transition and i think it's still offering our colleagues and employees a lot of flexibility to work from home on some of the days right and if we can make this work i don't see any reason why this couldn't be a long term way to function uh the other big question uh, related to that is really the covid uh, wave and you know hopefully everything is subsided and uh, there will be no other wave how do the ex- fmcg industry take it and uh, what do you expect in the in the months to come years to, years to come on the fmcg front yeah i think uh, the one thing is all of us are now 
touching wood everywhere we can to say hopefully this was the last wave right and uh, definitely if you look around in india for sure things do look like they're coming back to normal the way it was pre covid and and hopefully that stays right having said that partly covid and partly other things happening in the globe are affecting us here and now and uh, I, i think the big challenge that fmcg is seeing is uh, uh, I think a once in a lifetime level of inflation. I've heard FMCG veterans with uh, several more years of experience than me <laughs> saying they've never seen this level of inflation in their careers. And I'll tell you why this inflation is unique. It's unique because it's hitting almost every kind of input cost. Ocean freights are hit, you know, diesel and petrol are hit. packaging is therefore hit raw material input costs are hit from all the various kind of grains etc that we use and it's not just i know it's not just my organization it's happening across the board so i think that the year and now challenge for fmcg in india is managing this inflation and how do you do it in a way that naturally keeps your profitability going but ideally doesn't let the consumers feel too much of a hit uh, i can tell you it's a tough it's a tough task and everybody must be on to it doing their best to keep uh, things tight and under control in the longer term and hopefully you know the macroeconomic situation across the globe improves in the longer term there will be the other factors that have always been challenges for fmcg and you we spoke about it right up front you know sustainability and how we actually take care of our planet will come back is one of the most important factors to think about now i'd like you to talk about the food processing sector prashant now we've seen tremendous growth in the food processing sector in the last few years and we've actually become one of the largest in terms of production my question to you is do you think the sector is doing enough to provide a vital linkage between the two pillars of the indian economy that's agriculture and industry so my simple answer would be we could always do more <laughs> right let me take one step back you know look at india and one of the reasons why i always wanted to leave a uh, foods organization in india is i'm very passionate about the space i really do believe that india as an agrarian society at its core you know uh, where the maximum workforce sits in the agricultural industry is best poised to actually then translate that into processed food right and these two industries should go hand in hand we should become best in class in more and more products where we become not just exporters of the raw materials but actually exporters of the finished goods all across the world right and what does that mean that means you know we have very very competitive input costs that are coming into the industry which we have and that's where the whole sustainable farming practices come in can we become simply really really efficient in terms of our outputs uh can we move to higher and higher quality and then at the same time can we get the kind of uh environment which allows us to be best in class cost as well so you know highest quality best in class cost there's no reason why you don't become a supplier uh to more and more countries across the world are we there yet no for two point two reasons one i don't think we have the imagery of being a best in class quality supplier right so uh, it's very important you know if you go to consumers in different countries the origin of the product uh means something and i think we have to work to make sure uh, like i said we we export it's not like we don't in kilog but we have to make sure as a country that we build this reputation of being best in class quality as well and there's you know there's no way to deliver it uh, to do it other than actually delivering great product great quality yeah and we should 
all in the food processing industry push ourselves to be absolutely the best the, the second thing of course as i said is the more barriers that break down that allow inputs to come in at the lowest cost possible so it means sometimes you know removing import barriers because you want the raw materials at the lowest cost and at the same time improving our own efficiencies in the farming sector so that we ourselves are producing most of the stuff required at the lowest cost and that combination from a market as big as india because the scale that we can have in our factories can make us uh, really a potent force in the food processing sector if we get it right there's also been a lot of uh, talk related to that about farmers and, and you know deterioration of harvested crops and and covid related impacts on various kind in fact uh, fiki and uh, you know union ministers and industry bodies have been requesting food processing sector to buy chopped wheat or paddy or fruits or vegetables and other perishable crops from farmers to benefit them what is kellogg's commitment in this regard so you know as i said our commitment is really towards creating an ecosystem you know in the end we don't buy directly from farmers and it's not easy for an organization which you know processes food in in tons and of a very specific quality there are going to be intermediaries because even we are buying processed raw material we don't buy you know raw grain in that sense right so it's about taking that ecosystem to the next level and that's why i spoke about the sustainable farming now if we can get farmers in india to improve quality right do it in a sustainable way so that they can do it year on year three it's happening locally by default hopefully it's going to be the best cost for us you know there's at least no freight cost there's no reason why almost all our requirement can't be locally sourced right uh, with the exception of a few ingredients which may be not grown in india and that's a handful so if we can get that ecosystem growing there is no reason for an organization like us not to purchase right and to go outside if ever you are going outside it is because one or two of those things are not being met and strangely it's not usually cost that's the problem it's often quality so so if we can if we can correct that you know consistent quality nuts grains sweets there's no reason why uh, somebody manufacturing in india would ever want to buy something from outside fair enough okay let's dive into our lifestyle section which is our final section who's a business leader that you really admire what are those qualities in him or her that really stand out and you hope to emulate no no single business leader comes to mind i mean i've i've been fortunate uh, in both my previous organizations to have worked with some fantastic leaders uh, you know one on one and they've all inspired in many ways if i look at leaders that i've been reading about and i love reading about the the stories behind various business leaders is like you know i think let me just mention i'm actually in the middle of reading a book called uh, world changers right and this is a book of almost 20 or 25 business leaders and their own stories so you have hastings with uh, you know netflix and this and that and i'm i'm just halfway through it or even uh, less than halfway through it the interesting thing about all these leaders is that uh, to look at the journey that they've gone through almost everybody has had some you know difficult times that they've had to uh, maneuver second thing is they've almost always looked at adversity in a very different way from others yeah they've they've as i said they've looked at it as an opportunity and uh, if i look at the netflix story i mean this book is interestingly published way back in about 2012 i think so the way he talks about internet streaming in 2012 which wasn't a reality yet then right you could see that he knew where the future was he knew what was going to happen and that's why they're so successful today right i mean he started as a as a mail order dvd company but still called it netflix because he could see where things were going and i think this combination of one uh, never letting adversity phase you secondly you know looking 
to the future with optimism and excitement in some ways and saying hey what are the possibilities that's the combination that inspires me the most and and, and strangely you see it in in so many different leaders it's it, you just see it manifested in different ways uh, and i'm uh, i'm keen to go through this book so probably after i do uh, i'll have a pick among those 25 which goes maybe beyond hastings yeah now what kind of music do you listen to what's on what's on your playlist this is a tough one because it it sort of puts me into a completely different era listen i'm i'm uh, uh, an oldies kind of guy you know i i love the the eagles the beatles you know that kind of stuff so i'm not totally into the latest music that's going around yeah uh, so my playlist goes way back and not a good thing to say in front of my kids but uh, <laughs> that that that's the kind of stuff that i listen to a concert that you you've gone to maybe before the pandemic or something a gig that you went to and you said wow amazing two things i'll mention uh, so one is somewhere towards the end of the pandemic i i went back to the ncpa for a christmas carols concert and that was fantastic because did, all of did them you have the salvation choir the salvation choir or the no, shillong orchestra the shillong chamber no 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 it was just a a a series of individuals putting together wow. uh, various takes on on christmas carols some of them even parodies uh it was put together in the ncpa some somewhere so one it was that's the last concert i went to it, it, it somewhere and it was good because it was a bit of the opening if i could call it and that was great no the the concert i really probably remember and enjoyed the most was arijit singh when he performed uh, at bkc yeah that's the uh, last one i went to and really uh, had a great time fantastic the chap has a 16 17 piece band is unbelievable you know <laughs> yeah, comparable I mean, with any performer around the world book that you really enjoyed and uh, you know if how it changed your life or impacted you or was it would it be the one that you just talked about <laughs> so the one i talked about is what i'm just reading that's uh, so so i'll have to see how much it impacts my life when i finish it i'm not i'm not one of those who reads too many of the you know the business books if i could say but the books i've enjoyed the most are actually they're not fiction they're based on uh, true stories but i love the conny golden series if you've read the jenkins khan series or the emperor series that's those are right up there for me as i said sometimes uh, as they say reality is stranger than fiction and those are amazing stories of some great men at a different point in time so i i love those kind that genre the book that i've probably used the most or and it's imp- not impacted me but something that i've really uh, found very profound in the business world is a very simple book it's the innovator solution by christensen so clayton christensen it's is a great take on you know how organizations can get blindsided how they can get repositioned and how you should stay on your toes always innovating and uh, that's that's that space he's written a couple of books in that uh, space and they're they're fantastic uh, must read for anybody who's uh, in fmcg but even beyond <laughs> a uh, sport you follow ipl season now and your favorite player in the sport <laughs> listen i'm from mumbai so i'm of course going to be a, a absolute mumbai indians fan See, listen the, the player who I, i i love now the player has to be from mumbai indians right so actually i, I think surya kumar yadav is actually probably bit underrated but probably their best player unfortunately injured so uh, now it's it's down to the two openers <laughs> that i'm following but uh, yeah so uh, ishan that, kishan and rohit sharma ishan kishan and rohit sharma as a pair i hope they i hope they can really fire because the the middle order is looking so strong right Shake. now yeah you're right you're right you're right okay uh, your favorite vacation spot why you loved going there so most of the really you know nice big vacations were 
pre-pandemic. Uh, haven't really done a big one. And the last one that I did actually uh, was Seychelles with my family and Jordan and Petra with my wife. So those were the last two places I went to. Both were fantastic for very different reasons, as you can imagine. Petra, full of history and intrigue and uh, amazing, uh, amazing, unique place. Uh, Seychelles, simply because, first of all, it's it's so underrated. It's so easy to get to from Bombay, which most people don't realize. For an hour, half, I was choosing, but I wanted to go to the Andamans and then figure out that it's much easier to get to Seychelles. <laughs> so uh, ended up going there and had a fantastic time. But uh, all-time favorite, I would say, has to be Turkey. You know, if, if there's a place I'd go back to uh, and visit and, and visit again, it'll be Turkey and, and not just Istanbul. Uh, there's a lot uh, of fantastic places along the Mediterranean coast or the Black Sea coast in Turkey. So uh, that would be my uh, my all-time favorite destination. So if you had two famous people to invite for dinner, who would they be? So, so probably I, I'll since you gave me two, that's that's nice, right? So I'll uh, I'll pick one sportsman and one, you know, maybe somebody from the world of business, right? Sportsman, it's 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 gotta be it's gotta be a cricketer, and uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking this is gonna be a tough one. I'll probably go with Kapil Dev. I, I think it's uh, I've just watched 83 recently, so I think it's fresh in my mind, and I, I think. Uh, you know, for me as well as many people who would have watched that film, I think it was a pivotal moment in uh, Indian history—not just sporting history, but Indian history. So I think love to love to spend some time with the gentleman. And um, uh, since since I got a, a choice, uh, notice I, I, I've I've sacrificed Bollywood actresses and many other things to <laughs> to be a nice guy and get uh, noted, noted, uh, Prashant. <laughs> uh, I, I, I get a, a business person. Yeah, just just because you know I, I've just been reading about him. I probably take his things and you know look at his take on uh, on the world as he sees it in the future but that's yeah. where it is right now. Hastings and Dave wonderful Prashant it's really amazing to see how you're continuously improving your portfolio at Kellogg's and also despite having spent so many years in the FMCG sector you've still kept the newness and the buzz going and that you never tire and, thanks and, so and, much and, for that and we're really uh, you're inspiring uh, you built a future ready organization you've kept it flat cross-functional uh, Super stuff. I mean, I, I think you guys are doing a great job. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. With that, it's time to wrap up another episode of Season 2. But not before I remind you to come back next week and hear from another major business leader. Yes, we not only ask him for or her uh, pure business questions, we also learn from them and have tons of fun. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And make sure you keep listening to some great radio and podcasts. Build that habit. Yes, Minding My Business, the CEO story. Shall be back with another captain of the industry who's been a path breaker. Remember, you can catch us on 94.3 Radio 1 in FM Radio and on HD Smartcast and Podcast form over all major streaming platforms. This is a Radio 1 production. So till next week, it's bye from me, Rishi K. And me, Ramesh Menon. See you soon. This was a Radio 1 production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.